This is episode 48 of the Birding Life podcast. My name is Adam and I'm your host on the podcast where we discover birds and the people that pursue them. In today's episode, Calvin Harris hosts an all-important conversation with Brent Coverdell from Isenvelo KZN Wildlife about the critically endangered blue swallow and their conservation. As I got to do the final preparation for today's episode, I found this was a fascinating conversation all about the species and how we can make a difference in seeing them being preserved. There's much criticism that has been directed towards Isenvelo KZN Wildlife. In this episode, he also gives us insight into the good work that is being done by this conservation organization. The Birding Life is proud to be associated with Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars and spotting scopes, as well as the Bird Lasser bird locking app, Spot, Plot, play a part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. Be sure to also check out our website, our YouTube channel, our youth podcast, as well as our various social media pages. So without further ado, let's hand over to today's host, Calvin Harris. All right, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Birding Life podcast. Um, I'm your guest host once again. Adam's taking another break this week. Uh, you here with Calvin Harris, and I've got a fantastic guest for this episode, uh, Mr. Brett Coverdell, um, who is part of Ezenvelo uh, KZN Wildlife, and he's got a particular interest in the highly endangered and critically endangered, rather, uh, blue swallows that we find here in KwaZulu-Natal. Um, and I'm going to just open up by just saying um, hi, Brent, and uh, thanks for thanks for joining us today. Yeah, hi, Calvin, and it's an absolute uh, privilege to be here. And, uh, what an awesome opportunity to sell and promote uh, blue swallows and the kind of conservation activities that we are doing in KZN and trying to expand that to the rest of South Africa on what is a kind of critically endangered, but also just one of those species that once you've spent a lot of time monitoring it, it just uh, kind of gets a little place in your heart and you kind of want to spread the message as to why it's so important to conserve these uh, unique uh blue flying machines if I can call them that and I think it's it's a it's a big tick for most birders a very difficult bird to photograph you know fly super fast they they're not very common and it's it, it is a species you got to work for and so yeah it's an absolute privilege to be here and yeah let's hope we can you know spread the message and make people more aware of you know the the plight of this swallow you know you know it's so funny is that um a couple of weeks back uh i did another guest uh, a guest podcast recording with um with ian rushworth and uh, pumalani and um it's ironic because their their, their sort of uh, project is around about house crow eradication and control and yours is a complete opposite where we're trying to get to, we're trying to turn a species around from the brink um so it's a bit of a juxtaposition here in terms of uh, in terms of what's going on in kzn wildlife at, at least no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's what makes conservation so exciting. It's not it's not the same thing every day. You know, we've got these alien invasive species that are having a massive impact on our biodiversity that we're trying to get out to control and to remove, but still relying on your citizen scientists, your members of the public to report sightings. And then on the flip side, you've got a critically endangered species. We're trying to get people to become more aware of the plight of that. And so, you know, that's what makes my job so exciting. Uh, there's not one day I wake up and think, shucks, today's going to be a boring day. Because with anything conservation and environmentally related, every day is a new day. And and also birding, you know, uh, we just look at 
these rarities that have been popping up with this tropical storm and you know it's just it's such a fun time to just be out there uh, birding and engaging in conservation activities it's man i i really um super chuffed in the job that i've got and i think in many people envy what i do but at the end of the day we're trying to make a difference and to conserve these species um and part of that is is raising awareness yeah 100 percent. and I'll, I'll get into uh I'll give a little bit of background about how, how you and I came to speak in a, in a short while. But, but before that, um, could you give us a little bit more about your background and, and where you sort of hail from, what got you into um, birding and, and, and possibly how you've landed up with, with this fantastic job that you're clearly so excited to talk about? Yeah, Kelvin. So I'm currently employed as the animal scientist, mammal and birds with KZN Wildlife based out of our head office, which is kind of an all-encompassing post that covers mammal and bird-related conservation activities. How I got into birding, I, I, I never grew up as one of these fanatics that, you know, something pops up and you drive 24 hours to tickle for bird and stuff. I've, I've always just had a passion for conserving the environment and, and everything into that. And um, the kind of involvement with blue swallows really started when I took up a post with KZN Wildlife as the district conservation officer for kind of the Richmond Ecopa area, which is kind of the stronghold for the species in the province as, it, as the majority of the, the nest sites occur within within that district. And part of my function was to kind of start monitoring and, you know, just started going out and, and monitoring the, uh, the breeding activity, engaging with the landowners who you know, most of the nests occur on privately owned land and kind of just that's where it started and just kind of carried on from that when I transferred to, to our head office to take up this new post where that just became my line function is reporting, you know, annually on what's happening with the species. Um, obviously, because of its its critically endangered status, it, it is part of our state of biodiversity reporting as our you know, a lot of the other threatened avian species, wattle cranes, our vulture species. Um, and so I've just kind of made it part of that and getting out there and unfortunately seeing a lot of the, the habitat that the blue swallow relies on, you know, the misbelt grasslands just diminishing over time, you know, either through direct transformation or some inappropriate management activities. But kind of, yeah, I've been involved with blue swallow monitoring for the last going on 14 years, it'll be 14 years in August that I've been with KZN Wildlife. But even before that, I, I used to work for the KwaZulu-Natal Crane Foundation. And, you know, you always just getting involved in kind of conservation-related activities. And part of that was, you know, where there were cranes, their grasslands, and you kind of start understanding the dynamics of these species and the habitat. Because ultimately, you know, as much as we're trying to conserve birds, you know, we also need the habitat. And so, you know, when you're promoting whether it's cranes, oribi, yeah, blue swallows, you're actually kind of looking at, well, what is it that's the grasslands, it's the wetlands that these species occur in. And so kind of that's where my interest kind of was uh, first started is just kind of being involved in KZN. I actually, unfortunately, a, a city boy grew up in Joburg, but we can't be held accountable for the sins of our parents. And so, you know, managed to, to get a job down here in KZN looking at, at crane conservation. And so there is still a, a soft spot in my heart for cranes. And, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's about our threatened species and our, our responsibility as, as a country. And I say it as a country because it's, it's not just KZN Wildlife or BirdLife South Africa's responsibility. It's each individual member of, of society that has to help conserve these species. Because ultimately, as, as citizens of South Africa, that is our responsibility. Yeah, look, I mean, just just taking a bit of a sidestep from from all that you've said now in terms of the the, the conservation of species that uh, Isabella Kazan and Wildlife does, 
I'm, I'm, you know, this is the second occasion that I'm really, really so chuffed to hear about all the work that happens, and I'm going to say behind the scenes in inverted commas, because fortunate, well, unfortunately, really, is that the, the public at large, and, cer and certainly the birding community, and I speak for myself here mainly, we, we, we don't hear about projects like this. We, we, we don't know what's going on. Um, I, asked, uh, I asked Ian and Pumlani, I, I was like, well, well, how can we sort of follow what you're doing in, in terms of your conservation efforts? And, you know, the guys, I mean, absolutely no fault of their own, but there's, there's no sort of major social media campaign uh, going for to, to, to give exposure to the projects that they're on. And more often than not, sadly, and, and again, I'm speaking for myself here, you know, our, our perception of what happens with Isenberta Kazid and Wildlife is that there's sort of, you know, rundown sort of accommodations at certain reserves and things like that. So I think apart from just the, the, the amazing work that, that, that you are doing, um, it's just so good to hear that these, you know, these organizations are functioning and making a real, real impact. So, so off the back of that, you've spoken about um, you know, your involvement in the project and, and how far-ranging it is. And as you said, it's th th this doesn't only extend to KZN. As we know, the, the Blue Swallow is also found up in sort of the Pumalanga or the, or the northeast of the country. What, what is the latest with the species? How, how is it looking? What's, what's the status of the species? And um, yeah, if you could just give us a, a sort of a high-level overview. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I definitely will. But I just want to touch on what you've spoken about. You know, unfortunately, I think we are uh, guilty a lot of the times of not uh, marketing and promoting that the work we do. And unfortunately, most members of the public, kind of their perceptions of KZN wildlife and kind of by extension, a lot of the conservation agencies are, are what they read in, in, in the press and, you know, the headlines on the, on the billboards and, and things like that. And there's still a lot of committed, passionate people in KZN wildlife that are, you know, dedicated to conserving our natural heritage. And I think it's, you know, members of the public, you know, must take certain things, you know, with a pinch of salt that are put out there. We know, you know, a good headline is what sells sells the media is not necessary. Sometimes it's the truth that's slightly stretched. But there are a lot of committed people that are out there trying to conserve and, and things like that. So, you know, but also now, you know, we need to be able to promote the activities that we do and stuff. So, yeah, um, you know just touching on that but coming back to the blue swallow you know it's 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 in a very precarious situation at the moment you know it's been um in the latest red data listing for southern africa it's classified as critically endangered and we estimate between about 35 to 50 breeding pairs and it's it's quite a range but you know monitoring the species is is very difficult it's it's a it's a tiny little bird you know flies very quickly uh, sometimes misidentified by you know, members of the public, even even birders themselves, just because it, you know you can confuse it with a, a black sawwing if you if it's a, a fleeting glimpse if the weather the light's not not correct and stuff. But we kind of estimate between thirty five and fifty breeding pairs, which you know in the grand scheme of things is is almost next to nothing, and and that's kind of one of the responsibilities that we've got to try and and build that and. You know, as a province, we kind of aiming to try to get that back to up to about between 75 and 80. And obviously, that's dependent on uh, the amount of available habitats and stuff. And, you know, with a lot of the work we've been doing, I don't think it's, you know, nesting areas that are the, the limiting factor. It's a lot of these unknowns that we have. And that a lot of that is, you know, it's an inter-African migrant. So, you know, what's happening to the birds when they, when they leave South Africa, you know? En route, is there enough food? Are they being persecuted en route? 
what's happening at their overwintering grounds and those are a lot of the unknowns and just kind of the nature of the species and, and the numbers it's not something that we can just quickly pop out and you know get that information very quickly and um, but what we are trying to do is obviously work with our, our colleagues in, in other African countries and you know we, we will obviously have to touch on you know the partnerships that kind of KZN Wildlife have formed with other entities to try and you know build that, that capacity building and, and, and relationships but yeah at the moment it's, it's not looking good there's a lot of variables environmental variables we've come out of a uh, you know a season of of low rainfall especially kind of in this misbelt grasslands you know uh, drought periods which definitely affects the, the 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 which has affected the birds breeding ability the ability to build their their nest uh their nests out of mud if there's no mud available and so yeah it's it is in a precarious situation and, and a lot of people have kind of thrown around that it's well it's the next bird to go extinct in south africa and and unfortunately, that you know that that is almost true. You know, it's it's we're working hard, but there's a lot of unknowns that are beyond our control. And it's about understanding, you know, the management act- activities on privately owned land, trying to influence that, which is often influenced by external market factors, you know, economies. Um, so there's there's a myriad of challenges that this this bird is facing, and you know, we just the the one cog in the wheel that can. Um, you know, put through the actions that are needed, but there's a lot of work needed from from various factors. Uh, you know, understanding you know new emerging landowners, what they're taking on when they get properties with blue swallows on, the the agricultural uh, sector and how that's that's battling. You know, and then you throw in a global pandemic and how that impacts upon everyone, and that's just a you know something new to think about and stuff. So, yeah, it's it's in a precarious situation, but. Just because it is, it doesn't mean we're going to just throw up our hands and say, oh, well, it's done. What we are wanting to make sure is it's not on our watch that this that this bird does go extinct. And so the likes of KZN Wildlife, BirdLife South Africa, Conservation Outcomes are definitely trying their utmost to, to save this bird. And, you know, we've got a number of projects that we, we're implementing from stewardship, from, you know, monitoring, engaging with the various other government departments um, to ensure that it, it, it doesn't go extinct. Yeah, um, no, it's, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll touch very, very quickly on, on, on my interaction with you and, and how I came to be, you know, sort of enlightened, if I can say that, about the blue swallows, that I, I didn't have it on my list up until this year. It was, it was a bird I decided at the beginning of the year, you know, we, we do these bird lasso challenges and the rest, and I was like, well, I can't believe that I haven't seen blue swallow before. I haven't seen people speaking about it or posting about it. And it was a species that I, I knew very little about, to be quite honest. So I posted a, um, a request on a um, just a, a KZN Raybird chat group, um, which is which is an offshoot of the KZN Raybird Alert uh, Telegram group, which I'll happily put the links of on, on this podcast. But um, you, yourself and one or two others actually responded and said, "Look, you know, you've got a couple sites. Um, you're happy to show me around." And first of all, I was I was blown away by by the response of. Of the individual wanting to wanting to give me some sites to go and see it, and obviously you know like yourself prepared to give up their spare time to to take me there. Um, and one of the respondents um, put me on to Nathan Bam and, and the guys at uh, Roseland's uh, Conservation Centre, Roseland's Nature Reserve. And it just so happens that this was the very same site that you know yourself and 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 others were were referring to as, as one of the better sites. And you know, I, I took it upon myself. We made arrangements. I, I phoned up Nathan uh, beforehand. 
we went out to to uh, Roselands is just outside Richmond. Um, uh, you know, just uh, it's probably closest to Peter Maritzburg would be the, the biggest sort of town uh, in and around that area. And um, and Nathan Bam, you know, the the, the guys on at Roselands have, have really been hit hard by by the pandemic, and they they usually see up to six thousand school kids come through onto their reserve where they they, they come on a leadership camps and nature camps, and you know, this, this just happens to be one of the most uh, reliable sites in the country to, to see blue swallows. Um, so, you know, just want to take my hat off to obviously yourself and, and to the guys at Rosens for the work that they're doing to, to conserve the species. If I'm not mistaken, they've got four breeding pairs uh, in and around their, their, their location there, and, and they're more than happy to show you. I must just stress that it is by appointment only, and, and the guys are quite sensitive in terms of um, how they, you know, how many people come on site and where they walk. So as I said, I will link uh, link the contact details for Rosen below here. But in conjunction with yourself, this just seems like uh, you know the, 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 the sort of the hope that we have going forward, if I'm not mistaken. No, absolutely. And so just to give a bit of history around uh, Roselands, you know, we've been as an organization, be it myself or some of my colleagues, have been working with, um, you know, Roselands, the property for a number of years um, and they were one of the, the pilot sites to become declared a private nature reserve in terms of our stewardship program way back in 2008. And, you know, that demonstrates the commitment from the landowner to say we, we value our misbelt grasslands, we value the blue swallows that occur here, and we, we want to ensure that that stays like that in perpetuity. And so they kind of put up their, their property into um, our stewardship program, we declared a private nature reserve. Um, and that dovetailed very nicely with their outdoor outdoor center where all these school kids were being exposed to not only blue swallows, but grassland conservation and a, a myriad of other environmental challenges and opportunities. So, you know, it, it just works so nicely is that you're having school kids come from across the province, some of, you know, from the urban environment where they are so far removed from the environment and, and how things happen and operate to a place to come and learn about the all these species is, is absolutely fantastic. And so, you know, they've definitely been hit very hard by um, by COVID and, you know, the lack of any school groups coming through. And so an opportunity to, you know, carry on marketing these natural um, opportunities and and natural assets because that's what they are is is just been phenomenal and obviously we've been working very close and closely with Nathan and making sure that you know we're not disturbing the birds in any way we're not impacting upon their breeding productivity and so you know when people go out there they you know they've got to respect that and not you know push the boundaries and say can we get a bit closer or whatever because we've worked very closely with with Nathan to make sure that it's it's sustainable because what we're not wanting is for birds to abandon nesting sites and stuff. So, you know, that, that's part of our function as well to make sure that you, 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 you create a value by having this asset on your property and you can, and you know, it's not just about generating revenue and all, we can make a quick buck, but it's about being able to make sure your own business is sustainable. And so that's where we've worked quite closely with, with Nathan and the other staff at Roselands. And, and, and that's fantastic. And they've really kind of bought into this ethos about allowing birders to come and actually appreciate not only the bird itself, the blue swallow, but kind of the, the habitat and the environment that, it's, um, that it occurs in. And, and also using that as an opportunity to raise awareness, you know, not just come tick the bird and leave, but understand, you know, what some of the threats are to the species, 
you know, the challenges that are facing our misbelt grasslands. So, yeah, a big shout out to, to Roselands. And, you know, and that's something that we're working with a number of other sites as well. You know, they're obviously one of the, one of the, the forerunners in terms of the stewardship program. But we've, we're working on a, on a couple of other sites where landowners are also saying, you know, we see value in these assets. We want to insure them into perpetuity. So how do we get involved? And, you know, looking at declaring them as private nature reserves. So, you know, the, the future is very exciting in terms of opportunity. But, you know, maybe we need to just chat about, you know, that, that opportunity is, you know, we, KZN Wildlife can't do that on our own. And, and that's where partnerships are so, so crucial to, to actually any conservation program and, uh, you know, Blue Swallow in particular. So that leads me on to the next question. And as a birder listening to this podcast and, and, and hearing about the plight of the blue swallow, and, and I know that there's a number of other species, like you mentioned earlier, with cranes and vultures and the rest of it, that, that, that are, are under pressure and their numbers are dwindling. What can the average birder do to, to help you and to help the cause of, and, and let's just focus on the blue swallow because this is, this is close to your heart. I'll, I'll let you sort of unpack that because, yeah, I wouldn't know where to start. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, obviously for, for birders, the first thing is is reporting. And, you know, in this age of technology, we've got phenomenal tools and to be able to report that. And, you know, first thing, bird lesser. Um, if you're out there, you're seeing swallows, uh, blue swallows, put it on bird lesser. You know, we, uh, through BirdLife South Africa, can access those recording, uh, you know, that data. So, as, as, as the bare minimum, if you're seeing these things, get involved in bird lesser. If you're not involved in bird lesser, I'm happy to give out my details. Drop me a WhatsApp, drop me uh, an email saying, hey, we've been out here, we've seen some swallows. Do you know about this place? So, and then that's the first step as a birder. The second step is, you know, raising that awareness and, and talking to other birders, you know, are you aware of, you know, where the blue swallow sits and stuff and, you know, try not just to see it as a tick and we all, in, you know, get involved in the, the KZN challenge, uh, you know, as it, it's not only a way to improve your birding, but it also makes it exciting, you know, where you start to see what people are seeing and unfortunately it can become very competitive and, and addictive and I'm sure most people will agree with that, but it's just a, a way of being out there and, and when you're looking for new things and, you know, that's kind of the, the typical boots on the ground. So, you know, those are some of the, the easy things is, is kind of uh, reporting sightings, getting in, involved, raising awareness. And, you know, and then unfortunately, you know, the, the proverbial elephant in the room is, is looking at ways that can financially support some of our projects because, you know, without, without the financial assistance, um, you know, the work is difficult and, you know, it's, it's never nice kind of being a, I hate to use the term, a professional beggar. But, you know, these are the realities that we sit with. And, um, you know, opportunities to, um, you know, I'm not saying donate money to KZN Wildlife, but there's, there's definitely opportunities in our, in our partnerships with BirdLife South Africa, you know, which is a reputable um, NGO and, and very active in, in avian conservation and the blue swallow in particular. You know, and, and so if you, you feel that you really want to contribute, you know, th that is a way. We've got a, a formal monitoring program, you know, so, so you know, money, money can be donated to, to cover some of those monitoring costs because it, it is a very difficult species. It, it's widespread. So if you look at the distribution of the species, um, we've got historical nest sites all the way up near uh, in Gormi Forest, which is kind of northern KZN all the way down to, to Harding. So it's, it's a massive area. And, you know, we never write off those historical sites because sometimes they do get reoccupied. And so we do have to go back and, and check. You know, it's obviously not as intensive, but, you know, that's some of the reality. And then it's about understanding 
what's happening at the existing sites in terms of not only the breeding productivity, but are birds being, you know, coming back? And, and because it's, it's fairly fragmented, some of the properties only have one breeding site, whereas, you know, Roselands has got four. So, you know, Roselands from a monitoring perspective is relatively easy because you've got four sites that you can get to, you know, in close proximity. But then we've got other properties where it's, it's one, one nest here, one nest there. And they seem very close on the map, but you know, in order to get there, you've got a, a hundred k's between the properties because they, you know, they they're close on a map, but on on the dirt gravel roads, it's it's a whole different. So, it's it's very it's 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 very time consuming. And what I've noticed in the last almost fourteen years of monitoring these birds, there's a there's a there's a small window where you're going to get your best chance, and that's kind of from sunrise to about half past nine ten when it starts getting warm. And after that, these birds just become very inactive and you hardly see them. So, you know, if you're wanting to record a presence or absence, you've got a very small window in which to, to kind of be there. And then after that, you're, you, you can be in a site, not see any birds, but they, they are actually there. And, um, and that just, that's come with my experience. And, and I've spoken to a lot of the other monitors and they have the same. So, you know, you can't put the whole day aside to go monitor blue swallows because, you know, after it gets warm at about 10 o'clock, um, and so what that actually means is we actually need more monitors. We can't just have kind of one or two people doing it. So, you know, those are some of the costs um, that, that we kind of always looking for. And, you know, we've managed to secure some, some international IUCN funding to, to try and help with, with our, our monitoring. But there's also some of the associated costs with our stewardship program, um, trying to, you know, get these properties built in. There's publishing costs in terms of the government gazette and things like that. So, you know, like it, it is the elephant in the room, but we all kind of have to talk finances and stuff. But, you know, that's definitely one of the ways. And, and then there's this kind of overarching overall thing, and that's understanding your impact on the environment. And, and that's something easy, easy, can easily be done at home. And, you know, things like reduce, reuse and recycle. And, you know, it might sound very cliched, but, you know, that's where, where it starts and, you know, in your own home, you know, you're reducing your, your impact on the environment, fixed dripping taps, um, you know, not having to have this consumerist mindset um, and having more of everything like that and, and being aware of what your impact is on the environment. Because ultimately, you know, that puts pressure on the, the natural resources, which in turn impacts on upon our blue swallow. So, you know, I don't want to sound like a stuck record, but for for anybody that is a birder must be aware of the the impact on the environment and and be cognizant of the the activities and what they're doing and how that impacts upon them and um and that starts in the home and you know if you've got kids from a young age if you can instill that kind of environmental ethic of reduce reuse and recycle it's going to stand us in good stead going into the future so I really, I kind of feel like those are the, the fairly easy parts um, for how birders can get involved um, and, and just encourage, you know, and, and as you rightly said, I'm more than happy if people are wanting to go out and, and see swallows. Obviously, if, you know, if they can't get to Roselands, um, I'm happy for them accompany, to accompany me on some of my monitoring days, um, you know, and, and I use that as awareness opportunities to kind of just raise the profile of a critically endangered species and other species as well. Um, but yeah, uh, kind of, I feel that's where people can um, get the best bang for their buck in terms of how can they save the blue swallow. That's excellent. So, so, so there's, there's lots in there. So there's, there's citizen science, there's funding, and then there's obviously just general sort of environmental awareness. And uh, thanks, Brent. Th th thank you for the very generous offer. We'll, uh, we'll also make sure to, uh, to, to if anyone 
wants to to get in touch with you they can reach us directly and we can put them in contact with you as well now i, re- I remember getting back to my my sort of plea and, and my very selfish plea about wanting to to see the blue swallow and, and to tick it off and and sort of I feel like I've gone down the rabbit hole here of blue swallow conservation because I've, I've, I feel like I've nearly spoken to everyone that's involved in it, certainly from a KZN point of view. But one of our birding life ambassadors, uh, a, a very promising birder in, in South Africa, um, a chap by the name of Zach Simpson, he's, he's got a farm down in Harding. But he says that there, that there, there is a population of, of blue swallow not too far from his farm in particular. Now, you may or may not be aware of this already, but what, what if we do have a listener who who has got a plot of land or, or knows of a site not far from where they stay and, and they'd like to sort of not just sort of log it on bird lasso but, but get involved and try and get involved in your steward, uh, stewardship program. How would they go about that? So, so the first step is to either make direct contact with me or one of my colleagues that works for a, a, a non-profit called Conservation Outcomes, a chap by the name of Steve McKean, because that's one of his kind of deliverables is, is bringing in properties into the stewardship program. So kind of, I think I need to kind of talk about this. So Conservation Outcomes um, and BirdLife South Africa have a partnership focused on specifically around blue swallows um, and, and bringing in important areas into the conservation uh, stewardship arena. And kind of we're using the, the, the blue swallow and the misbelt grasslands as, as the drivers. Um, and so if we've got, and so we are in particular the one property in Harding we are looking at. Um, it's got, we estimate possibly two to three pairs on it um, and trying to bring that into um, into the stewardship program and engaging with, with the landowner. But, you know, if any listener has got other properties that they're keen to you know, either bring into the stewardship or just wanting to get involved and maybe assist us with some monitoring. More than happy for them to give me a shout um, and we can chat about how they see their, their involvement or, you know, if there's maybe a site out there that we don't know about, that well, that would be absolutely fantastic. But definitely, you know, between myself and Steve, we can definitely chat more about that and it kind of explain the, the whole stewardship process, you know, what it actually entails you know, what are, what are the benefits? Because, you know, the benefits don't only accrue to the environment. There are also some benefits for the landowners themselves. And, you know, those are some of the carrots that we use to bring landowners involved and allay some of the fears. You know, we're not trying to take over people's properties or repossess land or anything like that. We're trying to ensure that land is conserved in perpetuity. And, and we explain, that, you know, some of those opportunities for the landowners themselves and stuff so you know definitely it's it's a time to engage and and actually spread that message because conservation stewardship is a, is a really phenomenal tool that we can use to to get landowners get those grassland areas conserved and managed that it benefits the blue swallow so yeah i'm absolutely happy for people to give me a shout we can sit down over a cup of coffee um, and just chat about it and, and explain the whole process and, and why it's so important. Because as I said, you know, you're not doing this for yourself or for the blue swallows. This is kind of, you know, for the, I hate to sound f- too philanthropic, uh, the greater good of South Africa. But that's basically what it is, is because South Africa's got obligations from an, on an international stage in terms of conserving these inter-African migrants and stuff. And, you know, you're going to be part of that. And, that, and that's an exciting opportunity. It's not... You know, it's not just something, oh, well, I'm just going to do it, you know, to boost my own ego. Yes, you may be. But, you know, it, it, it helps South Africa out. And, and, and in this day and age, you know, we've all got to be pulling together. 
you know, we mustn't be seen to be pulling in opposite directions. We've got to be pulling together and, and that's the start. So yeah, absolutely. Give me a shout. We can chat, have a cup of coffee and we can definitely plot a way forward. Brent, well, that, that, that's been absolutely amazing. I think um, anyone listening to this can, can hear the passion from you, you know, your, 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 your drive and your, and your desire to, to conserve the species, but conservation in general is absolutely infectious. And it's so great to hear the, uh, the, the good work that's happening behind the scenes. And I just hope that through this, we, we're going to be able to give more exposure to not only you and your project, but all other projects that are happening out there. Um, so that we, you know, that the birding community, community at large, um, can get involved and play their part in conservation. It's, it's, it. This affects uh, affects all of us. As you said, we've got a vested interest to save not only this species but all the others that are threatened. And um, I just want to thank you for your time this evening. No, thanks, Calvin. And, and as I said, it's a, it's an absolute awesome. It's a privilege for me to be able to talk about. Uh, blue swallows and, and conservation in general. It, I'm very passionate about it. I think, you know, there's a, a, a thin line between passion and, and being extreme. And I, I'd like to tend to think I push closer to the extreme because I see it, it it's a benefit to all of us. You know, it's not just something that, you know, oh, well, it's great. I can tick a box at the end of the day. And I encourage birders to get out there and, and appreciate where they are and, you know, not just to be one of these tickers and, and appreciate their surroundings and, and stuff because, you know, ultimately, it's it's not for you and me why I do this. You know, I've got young kids and, and that's what it basically comes down to. I want them to be able to see blue swallows, see grassland areas, understand how we, you know, we benefit from the environment. And that's, that's what it's all about. And, and one day we've got to be, you know, I, I don't want our kids standing up and say, why did you let it happen? Um, and I think that's the, the driving force behind a lot of this is that we've got to hand over the mantle to, to a younger generation and saying, guys, we, we've looked after these things and, and you've got to take that baton up. And so, yeah, just encourage all the listeners out there to, to kind of get out there. And, you know, even the, even the common species, you know, because I remember a, a colleague and, and well-known uh, raptor conservationist from the USL, Keith Bildstein, said, you've got to keep the common things common. And, you know, that's where it starts. So, yes, as much as we focus on the critically endangered and, and the threatened species because they kind of they need that, but let's also keep the common things common and tick them off and still get excited when you see a hardy dog. Maybe not at half past four in the morning when it's trying to wake you up. But, you know, the, the reality is everything is important. Everything has a place in the system and, and we've got to conserve all these things. So, yeah, just a, what a privilege to be able to chat to you tonight. And, yeah, please uh, send out my details. I'm more than happy to chat with chat to people. You know, if they want to accompany me on one of my monitoring days, I'm, I'm more than happy kind of get out to Roselands. Um, it's a special spot. The the passion also with Nathan and his staff is also infectious. And you'll just kind of start to appreciate a new joy for the environment and stuff, especially, you know, after the year that the majority of people went through last year. I think it's a an opportune time to, to get out to Roselands and, you know, make a booking and, and just enjoy being out there because that's ultimately what it's about. Um, just before, I, uh, you know, if we're going to sign off, I just, you know, got a shout out to, you know, this is not just my, um, my, my project. I work with a lot of people uh, that represent various organizations, all the private landowners that, that are out there doing stuff. Um, you know, we all work together as a team and it's all about partnerships. Not one single organization is going to do this on their own. And I, I, I don't want to name people, um, but if we can give a shout out to Conservation Outcomes, BirdLife South Africa, um, the staff that are working tirelessly to conserve all our avian species, conserve our grasslands and our wetland habitats. 
And then the, the, the private landowners um, and individuals that are giving up of their time to also assist with our monitoring. You know, some of them are very well known. David Allen, uh, a well-known uh, ornithologist, also helping us out. Uh, Derek Clark doing a lot of work in the Bainsfield area. Steve McKean, Wally Walker from Amicopo, all really doing some some really outstanding work to save the species. And yeah, uh, just a, a big shout out. And if I've left anyone off, I apologize. But yeah, it's, it's all about partnerships and us working together. Yeah, and, and long may it last and long may we see more swallows um, and may that 35 to 50 start to increase. And yeah, because that, that will be the, the, the litmus test of, of how well we're doing. Um, that, that we start to get closer to our target of 80 breeding pairs. I think we're a long way off. But if you don't set the bar high, you're never going to reach it. We are proud to be working in association with Wild Books to help get all the best birding resources into your hands at a great price. If you would like to support the Birding Life project and the resources that we are putting out, please click on the link in either the comment section of this podcast or in our social media posts. Your support helps us to improve and hopefully make a bigger impact. Be sure to head over to our website www.thebirdinglife.com and check out all the exciting resources that we have on our website, including our exciting forum section to connect you with the world of birding, birders and exciting birds out there. Do not forget to follow The Birding Life on Instagram and Facebook. We really appreciate everyone that takes the time to interact with these accounts. Be sure to check out Birdlasser and download the app on either iOS or Android and keep a lifeless while playing your part in social conservation. As well as Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars and spotting scopes. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding.